So I just started writing, 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 and I was just writing anything. And half and half turned into 99-1. Okay, I can mimic that until I figure out how to do it. Some of this rhymes. Maybe this should be a song. And my girlfriend's like, why are they targeting you? I'm like... They go, oh, you work for an hour a night. <laughs> I wish. Shouldn't you be somewhere? Aren't you supposed to be somewhere? Because you're getting on my nerves now. You've heard these jokes before, right? Uh, why are you still laughing at them? Don't do Freebird. I always wanted to play that place. Welcome to another episode of In the Springs. I'm your host, Ryan Lowry. Thanks for tuning in. On today's show, I sit down with California-based stand-up comedian Phil Johnson. This episode was recorded on May 28th at Looney's Comedy Corner right here in Colorado Springs. Phil talks a bit about his transition from music to stand-up comedy, as well as his recent efforts to write, produce, and distribute his latest stand-up comedy special entitled Pretty from the Back. So please sit back and enjoy because comedian Phil Johnson is in the Springs. Yeah, so let's go ahead and double-check record, and we are recording. <laughs> All right, man, I have got uh, Mr. Phil Johnson. Hello. The uh, titular Phil Johnson from the Roadside Attractions. What did you say about my... T- <laughs> Never mind. We're going to go there right off the bat. Right off yeah. the bat, man. <laughs> we are going to come out swinging. Excellent, man. Well, Phil, I appreciate you coming on the show, man. I just wanted to catch up with you. I know you're working at uh, Looney's this weekend. Yes. Uh, so tell me a little bit about yourself, how long you've been doing this uh, this crazy business, and uh, certainly what brought you here to Colorado Springs. Uh, I go where the work is. You know, I, I, if there's a stage and somebody wants me on it, that's where I'll show up and do something, you know. <laughs> um, I've been comedy has been a, uh, a little over 10 years, maybe 10 and a half years. Uh, started out playing regular music before that, had another 10 years of playing music on stages before that. So I've been tromping around stages good half of my life at this point, you know. And uh, and it all sort of came together by accident uh, like 10 years ago. I wrote a couple of funny songs, and people were like, oh, you should be doing that. And I was like, no, 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 that's, that's B-side stuff. I was just getting some junk out of my brain. They're like, no, dude, we can't get those songs out of our head. That's what you should be doing. And I was like, oh, well, all right, you know, I'll give it a shot. And then just kind of snowballed from there, and uh, a comedy career was uh, was hatched. 
So the the segue between being straight music uh-huh. in into comedy that was just sort of you venting on, yeah, not venting in a bad way, but just kind of getting stuff off your chest and yeah. Funny things. Well, I had recently parted ways with some guys that I'd been playing in my band Roadside Attraction with for for six years or something. We'd played together, and uh, so I just started writing, 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 and I was just writing anything that came into my brain and some of the the funny stuff was stuff that the other guys wouldn't do um because they wanted to be very serious and and uh, i've never been very serious about <laughs> about anything and uh so i uh yeah so i just wrote those songs and i ended up playing them at a, um, a music convention in las vegas that my mentor was putting on and we were all just sitting around the pool at the vegas hotel just jamming songs for each other at midnight or whatever getting kicked out by security and uh i played a song for him called whale blubber uh, which is a love song, <laughs> and, uh, of course, of course, <laughs> done in full on '80s power ballad style, and uh, they were like, they were that, and that's where they were like, dude, you should be doing that. And the next morning, they're like, we're still singing that stupid whale blubber song. You really should try that. And I had just, I put my band back together, and I had the perfect group of guys who I still perform with uh, every so often, and uh, and my mentor was like. Okay, I told him. I said, "Tim, I got the I got the perfect band. I got every guy exactly how I wanted." And he said, "Good, fire him, go solo." And I was like, "No, no, that's not." And he's like, "Trust me, start doing some solo gigs, and uh, and you're gonna see what happens." So I was like, "All right, I'll do half and half," and, and half and half turned into ninety nine one. You know, <laughs> uh, the the solo gigs were just so much easier to do, and. Uh, because you don't have to, you know, find out who's available and, you know, all that stuff. I can rehearse whenever I want. And I can just, yeah, I can accept the gig as soon as the call comes in. So was that, that was that the motivation for him encouraging you to go solo? Just sort of the logistics of managing your... Yeah, your a lot career? of it. And he was just the kind of guy that would see things in people that you didn't see in yourself. And uh, so he was like, he knew... He kind of knew what was going to happen. So I started doing comedy. He's like, I knew you were going to start doing comedy. I'm like, shut up. How would you know? I didn't know I was going to start doing comedy. And uh, so he was just that kind of guy. He would see things in you and go and kind of lead you in that direction. Uh, so he was fantastic for that kind of stuff. But yeah, I started doing like coffee shop solo gigs, um, playing my regular music. But I started cracking jokes in between the songs. And then I regularly would forget lyrics. That That is an, a common occurrence. And I would start making jokes about forgetting the lyrics. And eventually people were like, you really should try comedy. And I was like, <laughs> all right, I'll try a comedy, you know. And I uh, got invited to do a, a comedy music show in San Francisco at a place called the Hyena Theater. That's not there anymore. And... Um, the lady who was emceeing that show saw my act. I did. I had three songs. That was it. And she was like, "Oh, that's really cool. I do some music in my act, and I need you. I I need a guitar player to come do some things with me. Maybe I can get you some stuff." Now, uh, at the time, she was seventy-two years old and doing. Her name's Lynn Ruth Miller. She's hilarious. She was doing a striptease act while I played Anarchy in the UK by the Sex Pistols. <laughs> And uh, it was great. No, no, not to interrupt, but hasn't that been done to death? <laughs> I mean, come on. Again, with the old lady stripping to the Sex Pistols. Oh, that's and, fantastic. Uh, and it was great. We ended up going to Edinburgh Fringe in Scotland to do a show with a bunch of San Francisco comics. And, and uh, she hooked me up with gigs, and the people started to hear. They're like, oh, you got you got stuff. Let's put you up. you know. And it just kind of went from there. And I was like, okay, I guess I do this now. And that's always been my M.O. It's, oh, uh, that is a possibility? All right, I'll try that and, uh, and see where that leads. You know? so, so now what was the first time on stage with just a microphone? Oh, you and know, and I, what was that transition like for you? I don't, I honestly don't remember. Um, I know I started to catch some flack from the other comics. Oh, you're not a real comic. You're a guitar comic, blah, blah, blah. Because I literally lived on those three songs for like the first year and a half. Um, 
I'm not a fast writer <laughs> when it comes to songs. And uh, so I started catching flack from the traditionalists, and I was like, all right, well, I'll learn how to do stand-up, too. I mean, I've always been a stand-up fan. I, I was watching, at, at the age of eight, I could recite Robin Williams' Live at the Met, word for word, because I'd listened to it so many times. So I always enjoyed comedy. I just never thought I'd be doing it. So I had a background of, okay, I can mimic that until I figure out how to do it. And so I just started writing jokes. And I honestly don't remember the first time I went up there and just told jokes. Because um, the guitar's always been part of it. I usually save it for the end of the show now. Um, but I don't remember... Yeah, I honestly don't remember the first time. Well, you had mentioned you had gotten some flack from comedians about, oh, you're a guitar comic. Yeah. On the flip side, did you get flack from your musician friends? Like you were sort of... Oh, God, no. You know, they, <laughs> they encourage you to... Oh, no. No, my musician friends are like, how do you do all this touring and, and make a profit? I'm like, mm, comedy works different. They, they give you a hotel. There's an audience there. You know, uh, if I had to... Because bands, when they go out... They get a venue, and the venue owner goes, okay, there's a stage and a sound guy. You better bring an audience, and you got to pay for your hotel. And, you know, I mean, there's just no help from the venues at all. Where in comedy, it's much more synergistic. It's, it's everybody knows we need a room full of people. And the club does as much work, if not more, than the comics do most of the time. Um, and so that's the only way you can, you can do it. Because if I had to rely on my audience in every city, I wouldn't be able to do it. And mu musicians and bands don't get that... They don't get that help. Do you have any insight into Because I've never really considered that, but I, I, you know, I think that's definitely a, a really spot on observation as far as comedy and, mm -hmm. and music. I mean, do you have any insight as to why there is that, yeah. that difference? It's because people will go out and see comedy in generic quotes and not care who, who was on. You know, they go to a club. See, the thing that music venues have forgotten how to do is develop their own clientele, whereas comedy clubs know how to do that. They go, we're going to have good comedy. You don't need to know who it is. Trust us, we're going to bring in good comics. And people go, cool, I'll be there then. You know, Whereas with music, people go out and see a band. And they don't just go to a club knowing that that club is going to have good bands because half the time the bands aren't good. The, the music venues have forgotten how to do that. They used to do it that way in the 50s and 60s. They used to bring in you know, bands for residencies and, and they would develop, here's what this club is known for and we're really good at it and people would just go. But music venues don't know how to do that anymore. Huh, it's very rare that you see that. So people go to see a specific band, but they will just go out and see comedy. Yeah. Yeah. So now the, um, the, the, the connection between writing music, whether mm -hmm. that's straight music or, or comedic music, and writing stand-up, what, what are the similarities there, if at all, and, and what is the writing process like for you? It's, um, they, they are different. Usually if I come up with a, a premise, I have to go, okay, is this a song or is it a stand-up bit? And a lot of times I'll try it both ways. I'll, I'll try writing some lyrics and then go, eh, I don't know, seems kind of meh. And then I'll write it as a stand-up bit instead. And then sometimes I'll be writing a stand-up bit and go, oh, some of this rhymes. Maybe this should be a song, <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, the songs I find very much, much harder, even though I've been writing songs for longer. Um, I, like I said, I don't write songs quickly. I write maybe two good tunes a year if I'm lucky because yeah. um, they're a lot more work and I'm kind of splitting my focus between the two things plus all the other sorts of writing that I do and um, so they are different so I have to make that decision at some point of which it's going to be and a lot of times with songs it's you're stuck with song topics you know it's, it's, it's love songs it's politics songs it's you know you can't because if you go too off course of what songs are in general then it starts to become novelty music. 
you know, which it borders on anyway. I don't like that term. Um, but it, it's got to be something that's going to, for me, that's going to hold up in a comedy club. Yeah. Because that's where I'm working. Well, and I would think that's one of the challenges because with a, a standard structure of a joke is there's going to be a setup and a punchline. And right. then maybe a couple of tags and then on to the next joke with the song. Yeah. You've got to get that punchline out, but then you also have to fill another, another three two minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's got to be a premise that you can maintain for that long. Yeah. Once with, that reveal is there that yes. this is what the song is about. Yeah, and it's always about finding the twist on the story past that. Um, where else can it go? And I, I use a lot of um, physical act outs. Uh, and things like that to to drive the song into different places, um, but yeah, that's the thing. Is you, it's got to be a premise that you can sustain for three and a half minutes, and with a lot less repetition than in typical songwriting. You can't do the same chorus every time. Right, it's got to right. be. There's got to be some changes so that you can get new jokes in there. To the point now where when I'm writing a serious song, I still don't do the same chorus. <laughs> to you know, two times because I go ah, that's how I write now. You know, <laughs> right, it's going right. to be a different chorus the second and third time. That's just the way it works. Now the the latest. This project that you uh, just released is called Pretty From The Back. Yes. Um, and I'm here to say that's true. <laughs> um, so so uh, tell me a little bit about that project. I mean, I, I looked at some clips online, and, and just from a production standpoint, it's it's beautifully done. Thanks. Um, then obviously the content is is hilarious, and, and the music is is wonderful as well. But how, what was that whole process like? Where did you record it? Why did you decide to, to pull the trigger on a, a pretty big, what appears to be a pretty big budget mm-hmm. uh, production? Uh, surprisingly small budget. Excellent. Um, which I always try to do. This is actually my third special um, that I put out on DVD. Fourth, I did one with my band as well. That was the expensive one. We did a we did a full concert film called Raising a Ruckus uh, a few years back. That was let's rent a theater and lighting guys and we had six cameras and we did high, you know high def everything. And that one was that one was fairly expensive. But the comedy ones are a lot easier. Um, I own cameras. And we got a venue, and the biggest thing was just making sure the place was full on showtime. Yeah. You know, um, so this was the third one I'd done, and I hadn't done a, sp- I hadn't put out a special in four years, only because I got two years in. I was, I was doing them every two years, and I like to do it every two years. And I got two years in and went, eh, this material's not ready yet. So I kept writing and refining and yada 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 for another two years. In fact, from the point of I said, okay, time to do a new special to when the special came out was exactly a year um, of refining, touring, planning, promoting, you know, all that kind of stuff, uh, editing. <laughs> right, right. You know, and I did I did the editing and things like that myself. Uh, I did the graphics myself. Um, I, you know, the, it really wasn't a big budget thing, but it's all about how can you maximize what you've got and then uh, and then put it out, you know. Yeah. So it was, uh, it's always fun to do. It's always um, super stressful to do that especially because i don't do multiple shows and then edit them together i do here's one show uh and all the mistakes are going to be left in so let's go you know um but i was pretty happy with it i was pretty happy with the way it came out so now i'm now i'm in the in the you know beginning stages of writing the next show oh yeah it looks it looks wonderful the clips on online definitely encourage folks go out and take a look at it thanks um now as far as the the road work that you're doing Mm -hmm. um you know kind of looking at your at your facebook page and then i saw the post that you're uh official website was having some technical difficulties uh, this week. <laughs> yeah, about once a year, my site gets hacked for some reason. My girlfriend's like, why are they targeting you? I'm like, they're not targeting me. They just send out their bots and find vulner- vulnerabilities, you know. Uh, but yeah, like I, I own, I don't know, six or seven different websites for, for different things. And uh, my hosting company was like, you have malware. We've shut them all down. I was like, oh, fantastic. That's oh, my gosh. Always great. So I have a lovely gent in India working on it for me now as we speak. <laughs> and because uh, 
they were like, well, all you have to do is this. And I'm like, that is way above my skill level. Um, so, I, yeah, I'm hiring. I have to hire somebody to take care of that stuff. Well, and, but. and that kind of touches on, um, you know, the advice you would receive early on about being a solo artist is I think mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't understand is most comedians and, and, and certainly most bands, you're everything. You're the manager. Yeah. You're the booker. Yep. You're the you're the webmaster. Yep. Um, and then you're, you know, going out on the road and managing budget and logistics and all sure. that kind of stuff. Do you enjoy that aspect of, of the business that you're in? Um, being that hands-on with everything? I, I try to sort of gamify it in my head to make it more interesting, but... Now, what do you mean by that? Uh, you know, it's uh, how many people can we get on the email list? How many gigs can we put on the calendar? You know, that's... I don't play video games. That's my video game. Yeah. It's, it's just a life of, of racking up those sorts of numbers. You know, how many things can I sell after the show? How many people can I bring into the fold of the, the roadside traction family and make them interested in what I'm doing? You know, so that's... That's I try and keep that in my brain as I'm doing this stuff, but I really could do without a lot of it. Yeah, um, I'm I'm starting to. Um, I've got a um, an assistant who is doing little bits of things for me now. He posts the tour dates on my websites and things like that, and uh, that's nice. It saves just some busy work because there's just so many things to do that you know if I spend an hour and a half posting dates on websites, that's a huge waste of time. Right, when right. I could be you know I could write half you know two dozen jokes in that time that I could, you know, are going to, you know, further things more than me just posting dates. So yeah. I'm trying to get rid of doing the little stuff like that. Um, but yeah, we really are very self-contained and, and, uh, a lot of people don't know that they go, Oh, you work for an hour a night. <laughs> I wish <laughs> <laughs> this is the gravy. Everything else is. Oh all yeah. The- <laughs> right. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I always tell people go, you know, you work for an hour and I go, no, they pay us to drive. We, uh, we do comedy for free, right. you know, <laughs> right. I, I drove, you know, not, not today. Today was nice because I flew in and I only had to drive an hour. But there's, you know, the last uh, Midwest run I was out doing, it was six to eight hour drive every day in between gigs. And there, I'm like, and I drove eight hours to get here today. That's, I'm a trucker is right. what I am, you know? Right, right. <laughs> so now how, how much of your time is on the road? Because you're, you're based out of California. Yeah. And so you do a lot of work. Uh, it looks like you do a lot of work on the West Coast. Sure. And so yeah. how often do you get on the road? And again, you know, I think kind of the logistics, certainly with a, a musical act, there's other components to that you have to be aware of. Um, and so how, a little you know, bit, how yeah. much do you get out? It, it would be way more of a hassle if it were with a band. It's impossible to make money on the road with a band. Uh, but doing it myself, uh, you know, I can squeak some profit out of it. Um, but I travel, I try to travel one or two weeks out of the month, usually and get out of California uh, and, and do some stuff. So I'll go to the Northwest or I, I've got a nice little uh, pot of fans brewing in like Ohio, Michigan, Minnesota, that area. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, if I'm home for two weeks, my girlfriend is like, shouldn't you be somewhere? Are you supposed to be somewhere? Because you're getting on my nerves now. And then, uh, and then I go away for two weeks and then she's happy to see me again when right. I get home. Yeah. So now being on the road, you had mentioned, you know, you're starting to get a little bit of a, a following. You've got fans in certain pockets mm-hmm. of the country. What, what is that experience like for you when you've got people you don't know and they found you one way or another, either to come to a, like you said, come to a quote comedy show uh-huh. and all at once they're fans and they approach you after the show. I mean, what is that? What does that do for you? That is, that is everything I'm working for, you know. And it's not even uh, just the shows. I do a lot of work on the internet to bring people in through the YouTube videos and you know all that kind of stuff, and really actively promoting myself there, so that I'm not just relying on the gigs for it. Um, but that's that's the best part when somebody comes up and goes, "Oh my God, that was awesome! I want to buy your stuff. I want to see you next time." I go, "Yes, when." 
That's <laughs> that's all I'm working for. Yeah. Because the more of those people you have, the longer your career gets to be. And and that's all I'm really looking for. I love performing. I just that's what I want to do. I want to write, I want to record, I want to perform, and you have to have an audience to do that. So yeah. when somebody says that to me, I go Oh my gosh, somebody understands. Somebody gets it, you know? Because there's plenty of nights where people walk out and avoid their gaze like you're not wearing pants. And uh, <laughs> and uh, those are the nights where I go, okay, well, it didn't didn't click for whatever reason, you know? Yeah. So when somebody does get it and really enjoys it and, and becomes a fan, uh, that's the greatest thing in the world. It's Because we're all just, uh, you know insecure immature idiots on the inside you know we were just, none of us were the cool kids in school right. otherwise we wouldn't be doing this right right yeah. <laughs> well you had you had mentioned the story about in in vegas when you played the uh playing some songs around the pool and, and mm-hmm. one of the tunes got got stuck in your buddy's head yeah w- what is it about music that i i would think that a a comedic piece of music is a little bit more evergreen than a stand-up bit. Yeah, absolutely. And, and why is that? I mean, I'm, I I love comedy and I love music, but comedy bits don't get stuck in my head. Yeah, and uh, I don't know. I'm I come I'm biased in the answer only because I will listen to the same comedy album 25 times and laugh every time. Uh, and my girlfriend goes, "You've heard these jokes before, right? Uh, why are you still laughing at them?" Um, so I listen to comedy like I listen to music because I'm listening to it like I do listen to music where I'm looking for the intricacies of it every time. Um, but I think the songs are more evergreen just because even if you hear the jokes, there's you're still going to get an inner laugh on it even if you've heard it before. Right, right. It's still going to make you smile. But then there's the, the music component of it, which we can listen to songs hundreds and thousands of times and not get tired of them. That's why we have favorite songs. you know. And, uh, and I'll have people... That are like, oh, dude, I'm I'm jamming your song from ten years ago. Right. And I'm like, really? I I don't even remember how to play that song anymore. <laughs> I've had people request stuff that I don't remember how to play. Yeah. Um. So yeah, the it is definitely more evergreen, which gives me um a little bit of an advantage in in things like internet promotion and things like that because I mostly will post music stuff because people will go experience that over and over again and and then if I do it at the gig they're not going to be disappointed they're going to go oh yeah he's doing that song you know I mean people don't go to see Leonard Skinner and go don't do Freebird <laughs> right. right you know they want to hear Freebird you <laughs> right, know right. and so every music comedy act has their Freebird has you know has their songs that people want to hear again uh, which is great but if you post stand up on the internet, and then you do the same thing at the gig, people go, oh, I've already heard that joke. You know, and it's just, we've been conditioned differently for the two art forms, you right. know? Um, and so when I post stand-up on the internet, it's usually stuff that I'm almost done doing live. Um, and so people aren't getting the newest and freshest stuff on the internet because I'm going to do something else at the show. Yeah. You know? So is that a consideration when you're putting together one of your specials that, hey, once this is released in the wild, yes. I, I may not be able to go to these jokes as often as I did before the oh, special. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And is that by design that you do that to kind of force yourself to write, or is it just sort of the cycle of the the business that you're in? I think it's it's both. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because if I... Uh, yeah, because in the back of my brain, I'm like, oh, that one's on the internet. I could probably, you know, if anybody's paying attention, then they've probably already heard this joke. And uh, at some point, they stop working, and you go, mm, okay, you know, it's time to put that one to bed. And you just keep writing. And so what I do is I wish I could be Louis C.K. and just dump my hour at the end of the, you know, filming and just sit down and write a new one. But I can't do that. Yeah. Um, and so I'll filter in new material a little bit at a time until all that stuff is gone. And it usually takes a year to a year and a half to get that. And then I'll spend the next six months or a year refining that material to go into the next special. 
Gotcha. So now having done this for, you know, 10 plus years and then going back into the, the musical part of your career, uh-huh. pushing maybe 20 yeah. years, yeah. Um, what, what are you most proud of at this point in your career? Oh, gosh. Um, I, um, I think that I haven't quit yet. Because <laughs> so many do. I mean, there are a lot of people I start with who just don't anymore. Um, Have you ever? Have I ever quit? Yeah. No, I don't know what else to do. Yeah. I've never been good at a real job. Um, I, I, <laughs> I, I was ne- like having a boss was not a good thing for me ever. Yeah. And I've, I've been, I haven't had a job job in, in 20 plus years. And, uh, I mean, I, everything I do has been self-motivated in some, some way. You know, I teach music when I'm at home, things like that, you know, anything that keeps me out of a cubicle and a tie. But, um, proudest moments i guess anytime i put out something new i go oh i did it again you know yeah um because i have i have to struggle to finish anything so if i finish something i'm just super happy that i finished it yeah and uh, and actually put it out into the world you know and and then followed up on that but i mean and what, um, is, what does that feel like for you when you can actually stamp something as finished because i think a lot of artists that's that's a tough thing to to tag something that yep this is finished I yeah well I mean they always say it's never finished you just let it go there but, you go yeah um, I am I'm super happy to finish like <laughs> details are like not my thing um, it's why with the guys in my band like my drummer is fantastic at this he's a detail guy and we'll play through a song and I go yeah that was awesome and he goes no no let's fix that thing that didn't work and I go all right you know um, so I I uh, so that the urge to finish in me is is big because I have to struggle to do it. I mean, you can tinker with something forever, uh, but I I'm not that real tinkery kind of guy. I'm like, let's get it down, let's finish it up, let's put it out, and get on to the next thing. Nice. Yeah, but I mean, problem was like uh, I you know um, I did my first headlining week last year. That was really great. I got to play the uh, Great American Music Hall in San Francisco, which is a super high endy classic venue that is, you know, one of those dream venues to play. Yeah. I got to play there, you know, so things like that, anything that puts me in front of a giant audience and, and, uh, and is something that, you know, uh, that probably doesn't mean a whole lot to anybody else, you know, but I just go, I always wanted to play that place, you know? Oh, very cool. Yeah. Well, Phil Johnson, man, it was a pleasure meeting you before pleasure I cut too. you loose. Yeah. Uh, what do you have coming up? Any plugs for shows or projects you've got cooking and uh, certainly where can folks find you online to track you down uh yeah actually the the big thing uh, as soon as uh, my friend in india finishes it up <laughs> finishes fixing it uh, i give away a huge box set of my best stuff from the last 10 years and that's at philjcomedy.com uh and it's all free and you just go and you put your little email in the box and and it'll give you like literally the best stuff i put over out over the last 10 years nice. and that gets you in the loop um all my tour dates are on the website of course i you know i'm all over the country i've done i'm 26 states in at this point um and uh yeah so that's where all the tour dates and things are but yeah the, the digital box set that's the big thing that's very the cool, cool thing yeah excellent well phil have a great weekend here at loonies and it <laughs> was a you. pleasure meeting you my yeah, friend you too all right thanks thanks
So there you have it, stand-up comedian Phil Johnson. A big thanks to Phil for taking time out before his weekend run at Looney's to be on the show. You can find Phil online at philjcomedy.com or facebook.com slash philjohnsoncomedy. Thank you to Looney's Comedy Corner for their continued support. And as always, thank you for listening to In the Springs. The In the Springs podcast is available on iTunes and Stitcher. In the Springs is also a proud member of the KCMJ family. Visit kcmj.org for program schedule details. You can follow In the Springs on Twitter at RPL underscore Metajunk. If you're a Colorado Springs-based musician, I would love a chance to feature your original music during my intro or outro. Leave a comment on the blog or hit me up on Facebook. Or you can shoot me an email at metajunk at yahoo.com. Until next time, I'm Ryan Lowry, and we'll see you again right here in the Springs. <laughs>